Let's get started by thanking our wonderful sponsors who make this show possible every week. We can't thank them enough. Many patients come to my practice thinking they have to stop wearing their contact lenses due to dry eye discomfort, but that's not the case. With products and services offered through ABB Optical's dry eye portfolio, like Regenerize Light, a biologic eye drop, I can help patients manage their dry eye symptoms and ship dry eye products directly through ABB, allowing me to have happy, satisfied patients. Interested in learning more? Visit abboptical.com forward slash dry eye. Vision Edge gives you less eye strain and reduced damage caused by blue light. We like to call Vision Edge sunscreen for the eye. It all starts with your highest level of visual performance, only achievable through scientifically proven Vision Edge. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe my sight one day. The first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Welcome back to part three of my interview with Dr. Art Epstein. In this episode, Dr. Epstein discusses cutting-edge treatment for dry eye disease. If you're new here and you like our interviews, press like, subscribe, share, and hit the bell to get notifications of great new interviews. And please leave comments. So how about a heat mask, the OptiSource Sterilize or the Bruta mask? How effective is that? How does that help our patients? You know, it's it's funny because I've had, you know, another epiphany. You know, we I'm very fortunate we were able to... Uh, bring on a young associate. I was speaking in Cincinnati against my will. I, I really didn't want to do that lecture. I was kind of, you know, kind of tired. It was, a, I had to change planes. I've got, I used to, I used to love flying when flying was, you know, was, was fun. You know, I'd, I'd you know, always get upgraded and, you know, they had you know, free flowing scotch, decent quality scotch as well. And, you know, I, I float my way to the lecture, you know, delivered by a limo and, you know, and now it's like sitting in the back of the plane and, you know, and I'm busy, I got other stuff to do. And, you know, so I'm, I'm in my curmudgeon stage, especially now with COVID, it's like flying. But um, so I was doing a lecture in Cincinnati and this, I met this uh, young resident at Cincinnati. Oh, I was a brilliant young guy. Uh, and he uh, ultimately ended up, uh, you know, deciding to relocate to Phoenix and, and he's been an associate with us for a couple of years. So, you know, we, um, uh, you know, we talk all the time, you know, about, about different things. And, you know, I kind of re review everything with him. Uh, and when I was actually, <laughs> I got lost in the, in the process of answering your question. Um, so, so heat mass. Oh, heat mass. That's right. Sorry. Heat mass. It was, it was such a hot topic that I actually, <laughs> I, I dropped it. It was hot. So, you know, so, uh, you know, we, we were talking the other day uh, about heat masks because I had this realization. Heat masks, which I typically would recommend for everybody, I realize are not for everybody because there are some patients, to your point, uh, who have inflammation, systemic inflammation or, or, or localized inflammation, where heat isn't really the friend of inflammatory conditions. You know, inflammation brings upon its own heat. And when you're expanding vessels with heat, they're actually bringing in more inflammatory uh, mediators. So there are a, a small percentage, you know, maybe 10% of patients for whom I don't recommend heat mass, maybe, maybe a little more than that, uh, you know, but generally I do recommend, usually I recommend the eye ecoderm because I think it's the best made cheapest 
um, you know, cost, I shouldn't say cheapest, it's the least costly uh, and best made of all the devices. The Bruder is okay, and there are several others. They're more expensive masks. I don't think that really makes a lot of sense. Uh, at the very least, it's palliative. Uh, at the best, it actually does help loosen up my bum slightly. The lids are very thick, uh, relatively speaking. They contain connective tissue, muscle, uh, blood vessels, uh, fat. Uh, they have a thick plate, a torso plate, which protects against you know, a, a sharp object getting through. Uh, and all of that heat has to go through all of that to get to the meibomian glands on the other side. And most of the heat is wicked away by the blood vessels. In fact, the lids are designed to cool the underlying cornea through circulation. So you can imagine it's not very efficient uh, at transferring heat. Uh, but yet for some patients, it's enough to destabilize the gunked up uh, mybum, the gunked up oil. And then with the blink exercises that uh, we just talked about afterwards, following that, uh, the destabilized oils actually start to pump out. So I have seen some patients actually benefit significantly from it. Typically patients will stay on it as long as it's helpful or until they get bored doing it. Uh, and if they stop doing it, I don't yell at them. You know, Sometimes I'll, I'll remind them but uh, you know, patients will stay on it as long as it helps. And it does help a fair number. And you've mentioned goggles before. How effective do you think they are? And what type of patients do you use the goggles? Well, you know, we, don't, we typically don't use goggles during the day, except in very extreme cases. So we're talking about you know, less than 1% of our patient population. They have to be really severe. Uh, and more often than not, if I'm going to use something that's going to create that type of environmental barrier, it's going to be a scleral lens, you know, rather than a goggle. However, that said, uh, we do use night shelters. Uh, and again, uh, again, I eco, I, I hope I get a commission for this because, you know, <laughs> they're the only ones who act, to my knowledge, who actually make these silicone masks. Uh, I usually use an ICL 4.0 when I do use a mask, because it fits the majority of patients, I use it in the clear. We, we stock all of this so that patients can uh, you know, purchase it and, and leave with it. I find that if they don't leave with these things, they often don't use them, which is exactly the opposite of what we want. Uh, they also make uh, you know, the onyx and the quartz, which I think they now call the night shelters or something like that. Uh, and all they are is basically silicone shields that seal tightly against the uh, uh, lids, and they also mentioned that as I mean, I, they also make, as I mentioned before, something for CPAP users as well. So it just creates a, an environmental barrier. And if it's sealing well, when they take them off in the morning, it'll actually be wet. I mean, literally, it'll be like a terrarium under there. Uh, so, you know, they don't really dry out. They don't have to worry about overhead fans or things like that. Uh, a lot of the patients I use uh, a product we discovered probably about two, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago. Uh, which is European. Uh, it's made by a company called Ursa Farm uh, and uh, distributed by Scope, which is in the United States, but they don't distribute that. It's paraffin-based. It's a paraffin-based ointment. Paraffin is not on the uh, FDA list of approved uh, constituents. Uh, it's called the monograph. It's the improved components of over-the-counter products for reasons I don't understand because it's a benign. It's just in a very creamy uh, formulation and it has vitamin A. Uh, the newest name is Hylonite. They changed the name from Vita POS, I think because of the meaning of POS in the US, the fact that it was gaining traction here. Uh, and uh, we have the patients titrate a small dab of it in the lower cul-de-sac, the lower portion of the eye before they go to bed. And it creates an effective shield and I don't even have to mess with the mass. 
Let's talk about treating obstruction, the different ways of treating it and how effective it is and how easy and how hard it is. Well, uh, obstruction has, has really been a primary focus of the <clears throat> more advanced eye care practitioner uh, involved in dry eye for a long time. And, 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 and to some extent that may be at least partially misguided. So the first uh, approaches were using uh, uh, mechanical devices like a Mistrota paddle uh, invented by uh, New York optometrist, Kathy Mistrota, who I think we both know, so a brilliant, lovely young woman who came up with uh, very, very early uh, awareness of the importance of meibomian gland function. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a little paddle and you use your thumb on the other side and squeeze the lids. Not the most pleasant experience, but using heat beforehand can help. And then there are a number of forceps. I have one, the Epstein Expressor, and there's the Collins Expressor and you know a number of others as well. I don't do those procedures. Uh, really at all anymore because I don't find them helpful. The meibomian glands are very delicate uh, and uh, you really can't heat the glands up enough, um, you know, using just warm compresses or a heat mask, at least in my opinion, to really be effective at loosening up, liquefying the meibom. We have a number of mechanical devices. The first one on the market was the Lipiflow uh, from Tier Science, now owned by J&J. It was invented by Donald Korb. Uh, very, very effective, completely automated, has a shell like a scleral lens, like that big cup you mentioned that fits over the eye with heating elements on the outside that go up against the inside of the upper and lower lid and hydraulic pads on the outside that literally milk the glands. Uh, the next one uh, was, I'm trying to think who came first, but probably Ilux, which was from Tearfilm Innovations, now owned by Alcon, uh, which is a automated heating and expression device uh, uh, with an LED to give you an idea of how long you're doing it for and you know some information on force and so on. Uh, and then uh, tear care, which is made by Sight Sciences, which uses adhesive patches with heating elements and heat measurement devices to maintain the exact heat necessary. Uh, and uh, also includes a, uh, an expressor, really probably the best express expressor on the market uh, along with it so that after you're done, you can express, although, I have used it without actually expressing the glands, just having the patient blink vigorously. Uh, in terms of cost, uh, the most expensive device is the uh, Lipiflow by uh, J&J. Uh, second is Alcon's, uh, which is, you know, had went up in price significantly once Alcon took it over. Uh, and Tear Care is the least expensive of the bunch um, and um, probably the lowest, co certainly the lowest cost of entry for the clinician interested in adding expression. It's important to understand that expression isn't just expression. It's not just clearing blockage and obstruction. Uh, when you empty the glands, it's not that the glands don't communicate with the brain that they're empty. In fact, uh, we know uh, that uh, in normal patients, say, you know, uh, young teens, young children, that not every gland is working all the time, the brain is turning them on and turning them off sequentially. So there's redundancy and you know, preserve, you know, preservation of function. Uh, and likewise, you know, pressure inside the gland is communicated to the brain. So the brain thinks the gland is filled. So it downregulates, you know, sends a message, hey, stop making, making more lipid. So what you're doing by clearing obstruction, even partially clearing obstruction, is allowing for upregulation of production. And in many cases, I suspect upregulation is more important than clearance itself. 
which is a new concept that you know I haven't you know just began to explore and probably quite uh, new to most of our colleagues. But I think when we look at that in the context of homeostasis and you know neurogenic uh, control or neurotrophic control or neuro control uh, of the you know the ocular surface environment, I think that's going to ring more and more true as time goes on. Behind you, you have uh, R2D2, the uh, IPL. If you could explain that. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, we, we, we have a secret love affair. Please don't, don't tell anybody. It's <laughs> one of my, it, it, it actually, you know, it's funny. I, I tend to be a, a cynic. You know, I'm a New York cynic. Uh, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the guy who, uh, walking down Madison Avenue, sees them lifting a piano into a penthouse. So I will stop. Uh, stand across the street where no shards of that crashing piano could possibly hit me, uh, waiting to see who's going to get hit by the piano. You know, I so I you know I I always think you know like the the worst is going to happen. No, not really. I, I, in reality, I tend to be I think much more positive than that. But uh, this is a, a, a luminous Optima M22, which is absolutely gorgeous instrument. The engineering is just superb. Uh, and what it is, is it's uh, a unit that delivers intense pulse light. Intense pulse light was first introduced probably about 20, 25 years ago by Luminous. Uh, and it was designed to treat uh, rosacea, which is an inflammatory condition of the sebaceous glands of the skin. Not fully understood, but it's believed to be associated with staph, uh, hypersensitivity, or perhaps demodex. Uh, and uh, it uh, applies light in a controlled fashion, both in terms of intensity and the, the uh, number of pulses within a given pulse sequence, uh, as well as the frequency of the light that's getting through. It uses a series of cutoff filters. Uh, and uh, it was discovered uh, probably about eight, 10 years ago now by uh, Rolando Toyos, who's an ophthalmologist in Memphis, that his patients who were getting aesthetic treatments, it's other uh, primary utility was for aesthetics, scar reduction, removal of age spots, um, uh, dermal regeneration, facial rejuvenation. Uh, uh, he uh, discovered that many of those patients who had dry eye reported that they were doing much better uh, with their dry eye symptoms. And he began to look at it. And that led to uh, increasing uh, realization that this was having significant impact on meibomian gland function. Uh, and uh, it's actually quite amazing. I mean, I, I literally don't have uh, words fully to express how shocked I was at how well this works. It went from something that I thought would be only for a small subset of patients uh, to something that we use more than any other technology when we do use procedures. Uh, we still use expression technology, but this uh, by far uh, is what we use most. Uh, what it does is it reduces inflammation. You know, again, some of this is anecdotal based on my experience. A lot of it is based on, uh, you know, research that's been published. Uh, we see increased activity on a mitochondrial level. Mitochondria are the energy centers of cells. So we see upregulation of cell activity, increased myelin production. I see structural recovery. So structure that has been damaged now recovers. Uh, and uh, we see disinfection, photodisinfection, or a paramines of a brilliant ophthalmologist who focuses on dry eye reported on killing demodex effectively. Uh, we see, um, uh, I mean, just general improvement. It, it's been kind of linked to a process called photobiomodulation or photomodulation. Uh, and we, uh, I think that it's because of the 
unique engineering of this device. It delivers, say, 30 units of energy uh, in uh, units of 10 separated by a resting pulse or units of two or units of three or you know whatever you, you want. So we typically use three pulses. I said 10, I should have said uh, uh, it uses, it will take 10 and we'll break it into 3.33. So it'll break it into three or it'll break it into 0.5 or into five rather. Uh, so we use a triple pulse and I think that triple pulse literally shakes the glands. Like, uh, it's not painful at all. It's actually quite uh, reasonably comfortable. Uh, and patients uh, show improvement typically after the second to the third of four treatments. Uh, and uh, we do maintenance treatments afterwards as well. Uh, there are also collateral benefits in skin. You know, that's obviously not our focus, but uh, we've remarkably seen, you know, massive improvements in, you know, quality of skin, reduction in scarring and things of that sort. But, you know, in terms of eyes, which is uh, where we're focused, uh, game-changing for many patients. Some people, some of the newer models have like a mask that you can get to put, to, to use, to deliver energy. Have you have any experience with that and do you have an opinion on that? Uh, well... <laughs> Uh, asking me if I have an opinion is asking me if there's sunshine in Florida every now and then, uh, or if it'll rain in Florida just once a day. Uh, I definitely have an opinion, and, and unfortunately, it's not very positive. And, and the reason is, if you look at IPL, you're looking at, um, number one, you're looking at 25 years of innovation for this company. You know, the engineering, I sometimes joke with patients that this thing is capable of knocking a plane out of the sky. Uh, you know, if I turn up the, the energy high enough, of, of course, that's an exaggeration, but you know, this thing is, is built like a NASA grade uh, device, number one. The, the amount of research, especially in the derm literature is just exhaustive. Uh, and the amount of research in the eye uh, care literature is, you know, probably approaching, you know, 80 to 100 referee decent quality papers. Uh, this mask, which comes from Europe, is a bunch of LEDs, which you can buy on uh, Amazon, if you like. Uh, and uh, there's one paper, I mean, one refereed paper on it. Uh, it's being sold by one of the companies that's promoting it. And, you know, some of our experts uh, in turn are promoting it as well. Some say it works. Uh, I don't see it. Um, I'm not, my mind's not close to it. You know, <laughs> a year from now, we may uh, reconvene uh, and uh, you may say, what do you think of that mask? And you'll see me, you know, wearing the mask, you know, lights flashing like Las Vegas or something behind me. But, uh, you know, at this point, I, I don't see enough science uh, to justify it. I, I refereed a paper uh, on, uh, you know, something similar at one point, And, you know, the, the paper was, you know, laughable. I mean, it wasn't laughable. It was actually cryable. It was a very sad, uh, you know, anecdotal bunch of nonsense. Uh, and I think, you know, sticking a mask on someone to flashing LED lights uh, until it's proven, uh, I, I know. I, this works. I know it works. I have literally hundreds of patients uh, who <laughs> will tell you it works. Uh, and that's what I'm all about. I just, you know, like I said, outcomes are, are what I focus on. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Maybe, maybe it will work and I'll, I'll get to enjoy a, a nice meal of, uh, of crow and mask. Yeah, a number of years ago at Arvo, uh, True Tier, uh, there was a number of papers on it, and it's kind of a funny technology, but the papers seem pretty good on, on it, but it hasn't seemed to catch on yet. Do you have any experience with that? 
Yeah, actually, we, we had Truth here. Truth here is now off the market. Uh, you know, that's relatively recent, so you may not be aware of it. No. Uh, you know, and the reason why it was it really was not a commercial success. Two things came out of that. I think it was from Stanford, if I remember correctly. Uh, there was a uh, mechanical device which was uh, acquired by Allergan, which was quite odd considering it's you know primarily a drug company, and uh, that was Truth here, which is. Uh, what worked for some patients, uh, and I'll explain how in a second, uh, but uh, not commercially successful. There's another device uh, whose name I forget. It's a small company. It's just being introduced that uses uh, sonic waves to uh, stimulate the uh, trigeminal nerve around the nose. There's a branch of the trigeminal nerve, which is that big conduit that goes from you know the surface of the face and the eye up to the brain, uh, which controls you know the ocular surface among a host of other things. And this uses sonic waves to stimulate the trigeminal nerve. And then there was a medication uh, or a nicotinic uh, um, agonist, I believe, that was um, uh, also proposed in this original research, which is now being developed by OysterPoint. Uh, and essentially the way it works is it stimulates the trigeminal nerve, uh, which uh, is almost uh, the equivalent of taking a thermostat that's malfunctioning Again, assuming that you're managing a dry eye, which is a dysfunction or malfunction uh, of the um, uh, of an essential element in you know the maintenance of of, of uh, normal ocular surface environment, and you're, you're stimulating it's uh, it's um, uh, you're stimulating all of the different elements that contribute to its function. So it's it's not specific to any one thing. In other words, it doesn't turn on. My bombing gland is uh, my bombing gland function uh, alone. It would also turn on lacrimal water production. It would turn on mucin production. Uh, and you know, therein lies an interesting question: uh, Is that really going to be you know sufficient? Is that going to work? Based on my experience with Truth here, in some cases it, it very well may. Will it be mainstream? It's hard to say. It's it's a blunt uh, approach uh, to um, a very elegant, uh, complex problem, and uh, you know, sometimes using a sledgehammer to nail in a, a picture on the wall doesn't have really good consequences. But from my perspective, uh, you know, the company has done a lot of research. I'm uh, awaiting it uh, with some element of excitement. Uh, the Oyster Point product, uh, and um, you know, if it works, great. I mean, I'll be the you know biggest proponent of and and if it's about as effective as pulling a nose hair uh in terms of making your tear uh you'll be hearing about it uh next time <laughs> uh touche at allegan eye care their goal is to protect and preserve vision it's not just what they do but it's who they are they've been creating innovative products and services for providers and patients for over 70 years and they continue to push the boundaries of what's possible in eye care each and every day. Macular degeneration is a leading cause of vision loss, with 15% of Americans being at risk or already affected. Scientific evidence proves that by using mesozeaxanthin, lutein, and zeaxanthin together replenishes the macular pigment and promotes healthier vision. This formula comes in only one product, MacuHealth. Amniotic drops. Uh, amniotic drops are actually are, are again one of those um, miraculous things that you know, if, you know if, if you have segments as you're passing from this world to the next, 
you know, when you and your life, you know, runs be, before your eyes, if there's a segment that is professional, uh, amniotic drops would be one of those things. An amniotic membrane in particular uh, would be one of those things that would uh, pass, you know, before my eyes is, you know, one of the true miracles, you know, along with IPL and, and a couple of other things. So uh, amniotic drops, uh, there, I think there may be more than one manufacturer I'm really familiar with uh, Regenerize, which is made by Regenerative Processing Plant, uh, which is a small Florida company. Uh, I think they're in Palm Harbor, Florida. Uh, the uh, um, founder is uh, Dr. Randall Harrell, who I had the pleasure of meeting a couple of years ago. He's a plastic surgeon, very bright guy, uh, and was very much interested in regenerative medicine. And uh, the plastic surgeons several years ago, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, when they started doing interuterine surgery, were amazed that babies were having open heart surgery, you know, having bowels replaced uh, and being sewn up, delivered and uh, coming out like, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe three weeks, four weeks later, and with no scars apparent, you know, complete uh, healing of the scars. And uh, it was associated with or attributed to the healing powers, the growth factors. Uh, in the amniotic fluid. So he began experiencing with amniotic fluid sourced, uh, as he told it to me, from full-term uh, pregnancies from C-sections uh, and volunteer patients and developed uh, skin fillers and a number of other things and eventually realized uh, the best and most impactful use was for eye drops and came out with a product called Regenerize. They now have a product called Regenerize Light. Uh, I've had amazing success for some patients and I've had no success with others. Uh, overall, it's a very helpful adjunct. It does uh, help when I have patients who have gland loss and I need regeneration, I'll go with that. Uh, when I have patients who you know, have really severe surface staining and I want something that's ongoing, I'll go with that. Uh, when I have patients who have a really severe surface disease, uh, I'll go with amniotic membrane. And I don't know if you're going to separate that part of the discussion, but uh, you know, I might as well just uh, you know, uh, continue along the road. So amniotic membrane uh, came from the mind of Shepard Sang, who is a uh, brilliant ophthalmologist who's located in Miami now. Uh, and he um, um, recognized the healing powers of amnion, basically, you know, the tissue in, in uh, placenta, uh, came up with a company called BioTissue. And uh, it's a, you know, NASA, you know, again, I use NASA in the, you know, in the, uh, strongest positive sense of the world, NASA grade technology company where they have, you know, cryo preservative rooms and things of that sort. Uh, and uh, he produces uh, membranes in various carriers, either to be sutured in place or in contact lens-like carriers that uh, are probably the single most clinically impressive stuff I've ever seen in, in my career. Uh, you can take one of these amniotic uh, devices, Procara is the, is the brand name. Uh, a patient can have a corneal ulcer that I know from experience would end up with massive visual loss resulting in maybe 2200 vision, maybe even worse. Uh, put in this membrane along with a, an appropriate antibiotic. And when uh, all is said and done and the infection is managed uh, and the, the amniotic membrane is removed, the patient ends up with a pristine cornea and 2020 vision. I mean, it's, it's, to say it's remarkable is an understatement. Uh, in dry eye and ocular surface disease, it's not a treatment for dry eye per se, but it is a very, very effective uh, treatment for severe ocular surface disease, along with other 
conditions that are related like recurring corneal erosion and, and so on. So, you know, that's a very, very important and very helpful tool uh, for some patients when appropriate. Regenerize is one to two times a day? Yeah, typically for most patients, it's, it's twice a day. For the Regenerize light, we'll have them go start up to four times a day and then cut back to two times a day. Uh, the original Regenerize, you know, really needs to be co cobbled a bit. It, you know, needs to be refrigerated when possible. Although once it's open, it'll last for 30 days you know, without refrigeration. But if, you know, it's going to be taken once a day, it should be refrigerated. The, uh, the uh, light version can be just carried around like a regular drop. And how long are they on it for? In some cases, uh, forever. I mean, you know, it's, it's you know, that, that's the other thing. I'm very judicious with medications and things like that. A little bit less so with, you know, natural things like Regenerize. But uh, for some patients, it, you know, it's the difference between function and dysfunction, uh, and they'll stay on it. Uh, the original Regenerize is quite expensive. You know, you know it's a, a little under $200, although it's discounted in, in volume. But the light is actually quite affordable. Uh, you know, so I don't prescribe it. It's not prescribed for every patient, but when I need it, 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 it works well. I, I know that ABB is going to be distributing it now. Yeah, yeah. We're actually thinking of uh, actually carrying it in the office. We haven't before, uh, but, you know, it's at the, at the lower price point, making it more affordable <clears throat> with very similar characteristics to the original. Uh, you know, it, it, it makes sense. I think it's a very, very helpful adjunct for many patients. Have you seen any side effects from it? Uh, no, no. You know, of course, you know, you're always worried about, uh, you know, t using body fluids, tissues and things like that. But, you know, uh, the reality is they go through an FDA, very stringent process. Uh, so, you know, I've, my wife's used it, you know, uh, my you know, staff has used it. So it's, you know, we're not concerned about that. We've never had any uh, adverse reactions. Autologous serum. Um, you know, autologous serum is, you know, there, there are a lot of things that people do reflexively. I know, and I probably, I probably shouldn't say that, you know, they do it because it works for them. Uh, we, we used it for a while, um, you know, and, um, um, you know, I find it's easier now. There's, there's a company, I think it's called Vitalize, that actually, you know, will arrange for the blood draw and arrange for it to be spun down. But frankly, when Regenerize came out, I found it to be so much more effective that I, they're pretty much abandoned autologous serum. Every now and then, uh, you know, Corey Lappin, my associate, and I talk about going back and trying autologous serum for a handful of patients, but, you know, I typically don't use it. The reason why people use it is because it has growth factors and stem cells and things of that sort, theoretically. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's plate-rich autologous serum, and there's variations of it. And some people use it with good success, but, you know, I find, uh, you know, that Regenerize actually is a more practical slightly less expensive and in the case of light, much less expensive alternative. Uh, bandage contact lenses. Uh, I walked in, <laughs> I, I walked in the other day and I, I, don't, I don't know if I dreamt it or I you know, was you know, during my shower, which is one of the few moments where I you know, have you know, peace and quiet where my brain can work uh, in isolation. Of, you know, I actually did a podcast on that. You're going to have to watch it. We haven't, we haven't released it yet, but it's coming out. Okay. You know, so yeah, it, it, this is benign. This is how, how, how water is, you know, it, it makes people come to places and, and to be able to think and how calming and the psychological effect of water. It may be, you no, know, it may, it may well be, you know, I find that some of my best ideas actually come from that. So uh, I walked in and I said, you know what, Corey, we, we just had a patient 
who was really difficult to manage. And we use a fair number of bandage, bandage lenses, you know, so, you know, bandage lenses. And uh, anyway, uh, I said, a bandage lens is an artificial environmental barrier. That's what we're doing. We're creating an artificial environmental barrier, you know, uh, call it an AEB. And, uh, and he said, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. Because what it basically does is when the eye can't do it itself, you know, you can use a, a contact lens to create that shield, that stabilizing factor. And then, you know, we, so we started going through it in a little bit more detail and, you know, and, and you know, I, I went back and I kind of clarified. I said, but the reason why it was such an important uh, revelation, if you will, is because when the eye is functioning properly is we have a natural environmental barrier, which is the tear film. So we end up using the artificial environmental barrier when the natural barrier fails, you know, which to me is like, oh, like, you know, that's the, that's the, you know, brilliance of, the, of, of that. And, it, you know, it seems self-evident, but you'd be surprised. Well, you wouldn't be surprised, but, you know, many of your listeners would be surprised that many of our colleagues, you know, are afraid of complications and afraid of other things. And it's really a risk versus benefit uh, issue. And the benefits for many patients so far outweigh the risks that uh, bandage contact lenses could be game-changing. Like, for example, that rheumatoid arthritis patient that I had mentioned earlier in, in, the, in the podcast, uh, bandage lenses were one of the things that saved her. I mean, really made a massive difference. Let's, uh, two more, scleral lenses. I know that you're big with scleral lenses and you see some very severe cases. Explain your successes, maybe some of your non-successes and what kind of side effects have you seen? Yeah, you know, it, it's scleral lenses. You know, it's when I, I, you know, I don't do a lot of lens fitting. My wife, uh, uh, when we first opened a practice within a week or two, you know, I was going to obviously coming from New York, I was the big uh, contact lens kahuna, if you will, and uh, you know, so I was going to be the contact lens guy. And uh, you know, at that point, I hadn't limited the practice, my practice, uh, just to uh, dry eye and, and surface disease. So, uh, you know, she called me in one day and, and wanted me to evaluate a, you know, bitoric uh, Rose K something or other. And I looked at it and I said, that's a lot better than I can do. Congratulations, you are now the contact lens expert here. Uh, so uh, she dove, dove into uh, scleral lenses. I think a lot of people get lost when they try to use older uh, technology to evaluate uh, uh, you know, what's going on uh, with, you know, with scleral lenses, you know, and assess the fit. You know, I, I think OCT, uh, ocular coherence tomography, gives you a very, very precise estimation of fitting relationships. So to me, that's essential uh, for uh, a really advanced, very good, successful fit. Now, there are other ways of, you know, getting that type of information uh, Eaglet Eye, I think, is a company that makes a profilometer, uh, which measures scleral topography, uh, you know, recently introduced. Uh, Pentavision makes the, uh, not Pentavision, the Pentacam, <laughs> Pentacam, Pentavision is a publisher. Uh, Pentacam, uh, made by Oculus, also gives you peripheral information that can be very, very helpful. Uh, we find, uh, you know, I'm somewhat hesitant to use scleral lenses. Uh, because the success rate with a patient who has keratoconus, which is a degenerative condition of the cornea, as you all well know, uh, with a scleral lens is excellent. You know, it's like, you know, 90, you know, plus percent. Uh, likewise, you know, pellucid is another degenerative condition, you know, scarring, very high success rate. 
uh, dry eye, much, much more difficult. So, you know, I'd say, I, I can't give you an exact number, but it's certainly less than, you know, than 90%. And it's not for lack of technology. It's not for lack of understanding. It's not for lack of trying. It's because uh, it's, the environment is much more challenging and as good as scleral lenses are at separating the eye from the outside environment, sometimes they have difficulty in managing the uh, inside environment. Uh, we use them for more severe patients. We use them for patients who uh, have, for example, graft versus host disease, which is a very, very severe form of dry eye with good success. Um, you know, the worse the patient is, the more likely they are to be successful. But we use them for patients uh, for specific purpose. You know, one of the first squirrels we fit in the dry eye patient was a woman who had very severe meibomian gland loss and a very severe dry eye. And she was an avid hiker uh, and wanted something that would allow her to hike without, you know, the dust and dirt and sand from, you know, the Phoenix uh, hiking trails getting in her eyes. And she'd become a, you know, a, a devout scleral lens wearer and much better, uh, you know, dry eye patient as well as a result. Uh, but if a patient has, you know, reasonably, you know, moderate to, you know, worse dry eye and other things are working, we won't uh, jump on the scleral lens bandwagon. We haven't seen any severe complications, basically just fitting issues or handling issues are usually the worst of it. Can acetylcarnosine drops, they were originally yeah. developed in Russia. Uh, yeah, actually, the, uh, certainly in Europe, uh, we, did a, <laughs> we did a clinical trial uh, back uh, when both of us were, were young uh, youngins uh, for a, an Italian drug company. I don't even know if they still exist. It was my first real clinical trial uh, for Angelini Pharmaceuticals. Angelini Pharmaceuticals uh, had developed an in-eye contact lens cleaner for L-carnosine, which is an antioxidant, a free radical scavenger. And uh, they were originally in use in, in Russia and in Europe as a cataract preventative or a cataract treatment with mixed uh, literature. You know, Some literature says it worked, some literature says it didn't. Angelini found some, so, or someone found, and Angelini pursued it, that this would work as an NI uh, contact lens cleaner. Now, of course, that has to be taken in context because you know today you'd say, well, who the heck would put in a drop to clean a lens in your eye? You'd take the lens and throw it away because you know everything's disposable. You know, but back then in the you know late 80s. Uh, lenses, uh, if they didn't last a year, the patient would come back and, you know, go, hey, you know, you fit me with a defective lens. You know, what, what, what's the matter? Well, you know, it, it ripped after, you know, 10 months, you know, it's like, you know so lenses were, uh, you know, intended to last uh, and, and did last, uh, you know, for quite some time. And they sometimes get pretty gunky. So I have some amazing photos from back then of calcium and, you know, debris buildup. Uh, and it actually was a reasonably effective NI lens cleaner. Um, and uh, they just discontinued it. There was no, uh, the uh, disposable lens was introduced shortly after the clinical began. Handwriting was on the wall and they, they discontinued it. So it, it filtered down to the nutritional uh, folks. Uh, and uh, I was working on a patient with very severe surface disease. Uh, had to travel, you know, probably about 80 miles to get to the office each way. Uh, and she was reading a, a book on nutrition and read about these drops uh, that she was able to procure on Amazon, which I think were, were Occupase, uh, and said uh, that she was doing amazingly well. And sure enough, she was doing amazingly well. Staining had reduced dramatically. She was doing uh, 
very, very well. Uh, essentially what it does is it scavenges free radicals, which is the molecular foundation of inflammation with no negative effects, uh, comfortable for the majority of patients. Uh, Occupase comes with two little bottles that are refrigerated until they're opened, and it's quite inexpensive. Uh, it doesn't work for everyone, but when I run into a dead end, I will, you know, sometimes pull that out, and it runs in cycles. You know, sometimes I'll, you know, use like, uh, you know, 10, 10 uh, bottles, you know, 10 boxes of it a, a month. Sometimes I won't use it for two or three months, uh, but uh, it's, it's a good thing to have in your back pocket just in case. How long do you keep people on it for? Uh, again, as long as they want, it's an over-the-counter product. So, you know, if the patient finds that it's comfortable, some patients have said, this is the most comfortable drop I've ever used. And other patients have said, uh, you know, this thing burns and stinks like a, you know, <laughs> like you put gasoline in my eye. So, uh, so it's, I kind of leave it up to the patient. I, I will obviously question them. Uh, and most patients that do well, slowly back away from most things, not everything, uh, but, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, testing the water type of approach uh, for many of the patients. Have you observed any changes in cataracts by using it? Uh, I haven't, although, uh, you know, I have 2010 vision and I drink it every day. No, I have not. <laughs> I haven't. I did, I did look at the literature, you know, some of the literature is pretty, you know, pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of things that we're not privy to. Uh, and I think, you know, I don't think we want to get into a long discussion of uh, therapies and COVID and, you know, and, and you know, things that have been downplayed and suppressed and upplayed and, you know, and, and commercialized. But, you know, I, um, I tend to take some things with a grain of salt and I tend to, to sometimes look very closely at grains of salt. So is there anything that we didn't talk about that you'd like to discuss? Hey, sure. You know, when I was a kid in the Bronx, I, <laughs> I, I literally think we've, you know, uh, th th I, th this was really enjoyable, but I think it was a, uh, it was a, you know, one of the most comprehensive uh, discussions I've ever had in part, you know, because of your knowledge. And uh, so I think, you know, for uh, the lay public and maybe for our colleagues as well, hopefully this will be a good foundation uh, I think we're we're moving towards a more holistic perspective, uh, and uh, you know a more wraparound end-to-end -end perspective. That dry eye is a part of uh, a bigger picture, you know, a systemic picture as well, which is I know you know something you're uh, highly focused on, uh, and uh, uh, I think you know this concept of homeostasis. Once we stop saying the word homeostasis and really begin to grasp what it means will be, uh, you know, uh, I think a, a way of un unearthing some of the real interesting mysteries, if you will, uh, that underscore the complexity of dry eye. And I think the realization that what we're actually seeing is this incredibly, exquisitely beautiful, intricate um, process that allows us to function through vision in, in, a, in a challenging world and a challenging environment, you know, and, and to me, you know, probably the, the greatest part of this journey, you know, which is probably the, you know, the hallmark, the, 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 the icing on the cake of my career is that the more I understand, the more I understand, and the more I understand, the more I realize the beauty of, of you know, what we have, you know, we sometimes don't appreciate when we get up in the morning 
how many things have to work right for us to be able to do that. And the eye is this tiny little surface area. <laughs> Tears are tiny little you know, bits of water, but the, the beauty and the elegance is actually quite quite remarkable. So, you know, if I convey that in any in any way, and people are, you know appreciate just how fortunate we are, you know, to be here and to have all that working, uh, and to have have people like you, you know, who who's willing to you know take time to share that uh, with others, I think you know, then then this was the, this was time well spent. Well, beautifully said. I thank Dr. Art Epstein. He's a wealth of knowledge. If people want to be your patient. They want to know more about you. How could they do that? Uh, that's a good question. No, we keep them away. Stay away, folks. <laughs> <laughs> the practice is uh, called, uh, I don't mean stay away. We, we really welcome patients, literally from pretty much everywhere. And we welcome questions as well. Uh, so the practice is Phoenix Eye Care. Uh, my end of it is the dry eye center of Arizona. It's essentially a practice within a practice. Uh, we're located in Phoenix uh, at 3805 East Bell Road, Suite 1800. Uh, the phone number is 602-549-2020, 602-549-2020. And if anyone has any uh, questions or whatever, uh, happy to answer them. Uh, if you want to reach me by email, the easiest way is artepstein at gmail. That's artepstein, one word, at gmail.com. Uh, and if you uh, actually reference, uh, oh, I guess the, the, the show or Dr. Gelb's name, I'll recognize it as a question and it won't get stuck in the, uh, no, I don't want to buy real estate in, uh, in the Puerto Vallarta at the moment uh, pile. <laughs> Again, I want to thank Dr. Art Epstein, the fabulous Dr. Art Epstein. Thank you for joining me today. This is Dr. Kerry Gelb for Open Your Eyes. Stay healthy and well. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural y es un buen producto. Every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I bring extra and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you.